past. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 10 of the Batman Universe Podcast. I'm Dustin and today we have Chris. Welcome, welcome. And also introducing this in this episode, we have Apple. Hey, how's it going? So, Apple, go ahead and give us a little, uh, well, not biography, but give us a little information about your history with Batman. Oh, my uh, history with Batman started um, probably back in the 70s when I was just a kid watching the the Super Friends show. And uh, my father would actually... uh, buy me Batman items. He bought me like uh, old uh, Balkane inspired symbols of Batman from like, you know, little uh, 25 cents machine. And so uh, he was really the driving force you know, for me becoming a Batman fan. Alright. Um, oh, I do want to ask real quick, uh, because this was the first thing that came up to me whenever uh, we talked about you last time. Uh, Apple, uh, could you tell us in a sentence or two how you got your name? Oh, <laughs> uh, I got my name because I was a, a lactose baby, so um, I couldn't really drink milk, and so the the only juice that I can hold down was apple juice, so that's what the nurse gave me, and uh, my grandfather actually gave me the nickname Apple, but uh, <laughs> rather than my real name, which is Alfredo de la Fuente, my, uh, my godfather passed the name Apple, so everyone in my family, even my father, would call me Apple. <laughs> Mystery Saul. All right. Yes. <clears throat> okay, so I just want to announce to everybody, we do have uh, a couple little changes to the same old podcast that we've been doing for the last, uh, well, last nine episodes. Um, well, of course, we're still going to do movie news. If we have TV news, we'll do that. Book news, general news. We're also going to introduce in this podcast merchandise news, which will cover collectibles, action figures, basically anything you can buy that is Batman related and the general news will just strictly be for whether uh, the roller coaster rides uh, video games stuff like that well video game information up until obviously it's available Um, we're gonna have instead of listener responses we'll have listener Q&A which is basically anybody who emails questions to us we'll all take the time to answer the questions for you Um, instead of forgotten villain we are now gonna have spotlight villain Um, this strictly because I'd really want to cover the villains leading up to the Dark Knight, so I'd like to cover Two Face and the Joker before that. And I, obviously, they're not forgotten villains, so from now on, we'll just call them Spotlight villains. Um, and then we'll still still do upcoming releases. And then instead of topic of discussion, we're now going to call it the feature, which is today's feature is going to be the interview that I had with Gotham Public Works and about their new fan uh, the new fan film that they'll be making entitled Batman Forsaken Um, and as always you can check out the website Batman Universe Podcast at dot podomatic.com and on there I'll provide links for all the information that leads to videos or pictures so that you can check that out so let's just jump right into movie news because we got a lot to cover and the interview I had is actually pretty long so April 29th uh, five new banners slash posters for the Dark Knight weren't uh, weren't enough Um, basically 
we got a ton of new posters for the uh, for the Dark Knight. Um, we had we had the one that we talked about the last time, which was Batman standing in front of a skyscraper that was basically towering over him with the bat symbol basically looking like it burst out of the building. Um, but then we also got a Jokerized version of that one, as well as um, a Two-Face one, a Joker one, and a Batman one, all single posters. So did you guys see those? Yes, I saw them. Uh, well, I didn't see all of them at the theater, but the, the three profile pictures of their face were at the local theater for the uh, Iron Man premiere. Yeah, I'm still. Yeah, I was able. To, I was able to see those also um, at the at the movie theater. They were hanging up up top as soon as you entered, and so it kind of got you excited when you saw them. Yeah. Yeah, I'm actually still waiting for my theater to get up with the ages and actually have something for the Dark Knight since they still don't have anything. <laughs> That's what happens when you live on the boondocks. So. <laughs> they, on, still uh, have, uh, they still have an old 1989 Batman poster up at yours. Well, actually, they have. Um, 1979 or uh, whatever year it was from the first very first Superman with Christopher Reeves they still, wow. have, a, they still have a poster of that so uh, I mean they do have the new posters it's just it always seems like it takes them longer than any other place I've ever been so alright you do know that now that you got Superman collector is going to give you a call to go place a bid on that poster now. <laughs> I wouldn't doubt it <laughs> All right, May 1st Dark Knight has been officially rated PG-13 by the MPAA for intense sequences, intense sequences of violence and menace. Hmm. A good family movie. Hmm. I wonder who's going to be doing menace. I can't imagine. Oh, uh, Alfred. Yeah, it's all yeah, got to be Alfred. So I mean, good. by that, by by the looks of the last trailer, I mean, I gotta say, at the end when he's saying you should take the bad pod, that's complete menace. <laughs> All right, uh, May 2nd, those of you who saw Iron Man, which I have to say Iron Man, even though this is Batman podcast, Iron Man, I, I think was actually a really good movie. I'll put it up there in the top uh, top three. Obviously, Batman Begins is way up ahead of that, but I would say it was definitely within the top three of uh, superhero movies. It was very good. They did a good job of doing that. Yeah, I thought it was outstanding. <clears throat> you know what you get with that? That's... Uh... That's when you get a comic book guy writing a comic book movie, and that's what you get from a movie like that. You get like the true sense and the true humor and the true personality of that hero, and that's what I thought. That you know, that's what came out with Iron Man. Yeah, and I definitely think Robert Downey Jr. was probably the most perfect person they could have picked for that role. He was great. Uh, I, I'll say this though i saw during the weekend another movie from his but with tim allen uh something about dogs and humans cloning and robert downey jr was the main i guess bad guy and it was a really freaky thing to see my iron man uh barking like a dog and chasing a bone uh, i don't i don't recommend that movie at all (laughs) that's what you call work chris he needed work (laughs) (laughs) yeah so anyway, um, Iron Man. If you went and saw Iron Man, uh, the new Dark Knight trailer that s- the few people who are lucky enough to go to the virals, uh, viral marketing scavenger hunt that we talked about the la- last podcast, were able to see. You have got to see that. So, um, are, you talking, are you talking about the Jokerized version? No, no, not the Jokerized version. The actual trailer, but oh, yeah. uh, we are going to talk about the Joker ones. Um, 
that same week, um, the basically, I told a story about when I went and I went to the viral scavenger hunt. Basically, reels were being handed out, or there was one reel that was per location that was handed out to someone there. And the assumption was that it was a good trailer, and your job was to figure out how to put it online. Well, come to find out, what it really was was it was a Jokerized version of the the trailer. And I think we already talked about this last podcast, but I finally actually got to see it online, not just pictures of the stills. And it was pretty amusing. I'm disappointed that uh, the one guy is the only guy that has apparently posted it on YouTube. I haven't found any other ones, and I keep waiting for news that they will officially release it and you can see it in true quality. So there was actually um, online, um, it was actually... Chicago, London, uh, Dallas, and Philadelphia, who all uploaded it, um, and those are all available on YouTube. Just basically type in Dork Knight, uh, and you can, and it'll pull up the Philly version, and they actually had like three different versions of it. Each one got better, and the third edition was actually pretty good, so. Cool. I'm glad it's finally happened. Yeah. Uh, it just took some time, and I don't think it took... I, I think Warner Brothers might have thought that it was going to take a little bit faster, but that wasn't obviously the case. So, um, on May 3rd, in a new interview with the Los Angeles Times, Aaron Hackard didn't shy away from dropping some big details about Two-Face in the Dark Knight. Um, he basically said, I can tell you that, basically, when you look at Two-Face, you should get sick to your stomach. Being the guy under all that, well, that was a lot of fun for me. It's like you would feel if you met someone whose face had been pretty much ripped off or burned off with acid. I can't talk about it beyond that because I just don't want to give away too much of the plans by Chris. So, uh, my take on that, it's going to be gruesome. And understandably, it's not meant to be looking uh, funny or fake. Yes, I saw. Um, are we going to talk about later about that thing I sent you related we, we, to that? We can actually. Well, actually, yeah, we'll talk about that just a slight bit later. We got some more new news about Two Face, but we'll talk about that a little bit. Um, on May fourth, the trailer was officially online. We'll provide a link to that on the web website. Um, if you haven't checked that out by now, I'm not. You're probably not really listening to this podcast then, because. If you listen to this podcast, you probably care enough to you've already seen the trailer at least ten times. So, <laughs> um, well, you know that um, that uh, that Two Face, you know, going back to that trailer, it looks like it was a Joker that dropped that uh, that acid, and it's holding his face down to the floor. That's what it looked like, and uh, that was uh, it was interesting because when you look at that trailer and you stop the part of the scene where uh harvey's holding that gun when he's in the car you can see some scar tissue uh just off his chin and where it looked like where he was uh burnt man exactly you can kind of see i mean basically the cameras like i said in the last episode you can see you know a profile picture from him on completely on his right side but you can see just slightly a little bit of scarring along the other side of his nose and along his lips places where it would normally stick out um but it is it'll be interesting to see because if if that jug that gets thrown down and he screams no is actually the point in time where he gets burned or 
whether I mean a lot of people are like well I think that's gasoline that's what that's what I think it is and he's probably just gonna get burned but what doesn't make any sense is if it was gasoline why wouldn't his whole face burn why would it just be that side right. so I'm thinking there was I read somewhere online someone had this um, idea that they they sent up to somebody and they said that maybe it could be like there's acids that they have where if you put one thing on it, it doesn't do anything. If you put the other, uh, you have two. You have two vials. You put one vial on the person, it doesn't do anything. You put the other vial on the person, it doesn't do anything. But when you combine the two together, it could do. You know, it could be something that could really do some damage. And that could be it. I mean, it's all spec. It's all. Uh, it's all guess right now. We'll have to obviously wait till we see the movie to figure out what's actually going to happen, but. Right. I uh, I forgot about this, but earlier today I was reading the latest Wizard magazine, okay. and uh, they had an interview with, uh, who's the fellow that plays Commissioner Gordon? Uh, Gary Oldman. Gary Oldman, yes. They had an interview with him in there, uh, really short, um, but uh, he talked about a few things. Um, they did mention, he did uh, tell the interviewer that uh, in this movie he does become the Commissioner, um, and that his character develops a lot more. And he also uh, said a bit about Two-Face and his character, uh, more along the lines of whenever it's just Harvey Dent, uh, the Attorney General. Isn't that right, Attorney General? Uh, District Attorney. District, District Attorney. That's right. Um, but he, he mentioned that uh, he is also, uh, as the District Attorney and as a uh, uh, strong-headed character, Harvey Dent is really another version of Batman that uh, that Gordon and the rest of the police force have to put up with. Um, and he mentioned that uh, Harvey Dent has his own form of justice that he likes to give out. He's a very strong-willed district attorney. And um, he seemed to be really just hinting about the director's uh, take on how that character is going to play out in that there's Batman and then on the other side of the law, I suppose, is, uh, is Harvey Dent. And uh, it was an interesting read, and I think he did mention that it was uh, that it was acid that got on his face, but he didn't give any more details about that. See, what's funny about that is I would actually take that as Batman's on one side of the law, you've got uh, Joker on the other side of the law, you've got maybe Commissioner Gordon dead in the middle, where well, no, I take that. I don't know why I just said that. He's he's on the side with Batman, but then you've got Two Face, who or Harvey Dent per se, is actually like in the middle. Because Two Face really isn't a. He's not. I would I, honestly. I wouldn't call him a villain. I'd call him a person who's been turned bad, who sometimes does bad things. Or like I said in the last podcast, he's a good guy who does bad things. Because basically, he's not all bad. Sometimes it's all about that stupid flipping of the coin. I mean, if it's good, you get away scot free. If it's bad. You probably get shot in the head, but you know that's just how it works. He's more of a gray character than he is, you know, black or white. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, he has that. You know, we're we're talking about a guy who has dual personalities, and of course, that coin is the one that makes him flip between each each character that he has within him. Um, when when we talk about Harvey Dent, the district attorney being on one side of the law, he was probably wanting more strict punishment towards these criminals. And I think that's where it, 
that that um, that what he was describing that you know you you have Commissioner Gordon dealing with uh, Harvey Dent, then you have Batman, then you have the criminals, and I I wonder if it, if it was like you know dealing along those lines where he's dealing with the person that wants real punishment done, and that's where Two Face comes out in him. Yeah, yeah I, I got the impression that he's uh, he's a little bit for taking matters into his own hands. And uh, and executing judgment uh, himself as Harvey Dent, and yeah, I would agree. I think probably that just goes to a whole nother level when he becomes Two Face. Yeah, and I'm I'm thinking that's probably the case too. So the one more note on the the trailer that came out was that, in the one scene where it was actually in the same same scene, but basically the scene where the Joker or the Batman crashes down on the van. You pause it right before he crashes, you can see the scarecrow, which I think I mentioned before, but there's been a lot of talk about it um, the last two weeks, so I figured I'd just mention it. If I, I did not know that, yeah. So the, you, that, that confirms, obviously, scarecrow is in it, which we already thought he was, considering the reports from Chicago said that he was doing a, um, that he was he was on location while they were filming some scenes in a parking garage and some other stuff, and the fact that his name is listed under the cast, so we all assumed he was going to be in it, but that confirms it, as he's actually playing the Scarecrow. Wow. So, like, in the trailer, that must have been, like, a little Easter egg that for them, you know, honestly, I did not even notice that. I did not even read about that, because I'm trying to stay away from spoilers. So, but... um, (laughs) I don't know if any of you remember, but uh, uh, early on when Christopher Nolan was talking about the Dark Knight, he had mentioned that we might see a small appearance of some other characters. You know, maybe it was a scarecrow, but back then when he did that interview, he had mentioned the penguin. And he mentioned that you don't see the penguin, you might hear his name or something referenced to that. I didn't know if, if any of you remembered that or heard anything from that. I do remember hearing something about that, but I I think Christopher Nolan does a good job of always plugging in little Easter eggs for us huge fans, like he did with Mr. Saz and you know Joe Ch- Joe Chill and the in the Batman Begins. He didn't have to call the guy who killed Batman Joe Chill because honestly, if you don't follow comics and you really aren't a huge Batman fan, it's not that big of a deal. But especially with like Mr. Saz, I mean. Nobody knew who, I mean, you you have to be a fan in order to know who that is and understand that, you know, he really put that character in there just because he was doing it for the fans. So I think that it's highly possible that he could put something in there for us. Exactly. The only thing, the only thing I remember is uh, uh, whenever Batman in the first movie, Batman Begins, is going through the jail cells in Arkham Islam. Um, that I remember hearing something that you could see famous villains, and I never saw anybody. But every time I see that scene, I always pay attention to try to figure out, well, who could that be? And that's the only thing that really strikes a chord in my memory. Yeah, and I, I've I've heard something similar to that. I think it's not. It might not necessarily be um, villains that everybody's familiar with, but those of us who really pay attention to stuff, we could. For instance, we could come across a bunch of people that we've talked about in Forgotten Villains. <laughs> exactly. So, um, okay, so on May 5th, 
Chris, you can go ahead and talk about this one because you were actually the first one who let me know about this before I even found out about it. Okay, cool. Uh, yeah, I got an email from a friend uh, saying, Two-Face, pictures of Two-Face. And uh, it was a YouTube clip. And I thought, wow. And I clicked on it, and it's uh, about a minute-long still shot, uh, full-on, of Harvey Dent, Two-Face, uh, whole face. You see both sides. And uh, Harvey Dent looks like he might be unconscious, maybe on a hospital bed or something. But you get a very detailed shot of his messed-up side and it is very gruesome. It is really, really cool. Um, who knows how many, how much time he spent in makeup? But uh, you know, you see the eyeball just protruding out of his face. It kind of reminds me of Batman the Animated Series. Um, that much, you know, just gruesomeness. And so, I don't know, Dustin. Are you going to uh, provide a link to that on your website? Um, I will provide a link to uh, that to that YouTube still shot. But just keep in mind, when you do look at it, um, there was another picture that was floating around that was not the one that you that you sent me. The, and I saw that one. And when you sent me that one, that was the first time that I saw that one. And the difference between the two is that the one picture that I saw that was floating around for a while and then all of a sudden it disappeared because Warner Brothers did their magic that they always do whenever something comes up. Um, but the first one, he was in a suit and... It was similar to the picture that you showed me, but the difference was that that picture was reportedly a uh, test or a pre-production costume test makeup whatever, and it was not necessarily well. First of all, that's what everyone was saying it was. Maybe because Warner Brothers told everybody to say that. Who knows? But the picture that you sent me, what I found interesting about that one was if it was a pre-production picture there was absolutely no reason why Harvey Dent would have to be in a hospital gown which is what he was in in the picture that you sent me so, was, mm. yeah, I didn't even notice that part well it would be interesting if you post it and you get a cease and desist letter from Warner Brothers then we will know we're a very serious newsworthy website yes <laughs> <laughs> they probably don't even know who we are but uh <laughs> Also on May 5th... I just titled it Animated Series. Yeah. <laughs> also on May 5th, uh, the official Dark Knight website has been update, was updated, and it basically has a new little flash sequence when you open it up about uh, Joker cards flying all over, and it basically leads up to the new trailer. But not a whole lot more than that. I mean, it's got... I think it has a countdown clock on it to go to... or to, that says when the movie's going to come out. But other than that, not a whole lot new on the website besides it actually has the new um, trailer on it. That was the only difference. So, hmm. um, Also, May 7th, a bunch of the viral sites updated. Pretty much nothing super interesting on any of them, but GothamPolice.com, GothamCityRail.com, JosephCalandro.com, and GPDIAD.com were all updated uh, but like I said, nothing really out there that everyone really needs to be concerned with. Basically, the Gotham City Rail was just saying that some of the rail lines open. Joseph Calandro, which is the guy who was supposedly heading up the CCAFBG, Concerned Citizens for Better Gotham, basically it said something on the lines of he's taken off or he's, no, he's in hiding or something like that. So not anything 
really newsworthy. Just figured I mention it. Um, May 9th, we found out that HBO will doing will be doing um, on Thursday, July 10th, will be doing a first look series that will feature the Dark Knight. Um, they did one for Batman Begins before Batman Begins came out, and it basically gives you a little bit of behind the scenes uh, during filming and stuff. It doesn't tell the storyline so you don't have to worry about it ruining anything but it gives us just a little bit more insight on the dark knight eight days before it comes out so interesting i will probably be downloading that online but waiting until after i see the movie to watch it even though there probably won't be spoilers i'm not going to take the chance yeah (laughs) <laughs> well, you know, you, if you remember back, um, I don't know if any of you remember, but uh, for the 89 movie, they didn't do it. But for the 92 uh, Batman Returns, they had a little special. Um, I believe it was on, a, it was on a, uh, I believe, ABC or, um, or it could have been CBS, where they had a little special on the Batman Returns movie. And they, had, uh, they were on set of the Batman Returns movie. And that was pretty cool, and that's what I like about the the Batman the the, the Batman's that uh, whenever they come out on uh, on theaters, they always do like a little special. But um, I, I do like those. But I do agree with you, Chris. I will be staying away from it just in case of spoilers. Yeah, I don't even like to see scenes that I haven't seen on a trailer yet because I like it all to be as fresh as possible. Right. Okay, and then the only other movie news we have is uh, pretty much last night during the season finale of Survivor, there was two brand new, well, I wouldn't call them trailers, but TV spots that were during the season finale of Survivor. Uh, I will provide links to those, actually really good versions. I saw a version last night that was kind of a junky version that someone just basically whipped up real quick, but... Uh, today, uh, the moviebox.net posted them, and I have the YouTube links that will be on the website. And those are pretty cool. It doesn't really, not a whole lot of new stuff. The only new thing is that there was a scene where Batman was trying out some kind of new gear that Morgan Freeman is showing him, and some, it looked like daggers or something pops out of it real quick, and Morgan Freeman says, maybe you should read the instructions before you mess with it. Hmm, interesting. But that was pretty much the only uh, new scene besides, well, I guess there was one other one, the scene where Joker's standing in front of all the money, the mob money that's burning, that's in the, the, the newer trailer. There's a scene where he's saying the same line where it's like, Gotham needs a better class of criminals, and I'm going to give it to him. He's standing in front of somebody holding, it looks like maybe possibly a mobster or something, and he's telling them that that's, he's telling them that that's what he's going to do. But that's really the only two new things that came out of those. Um, it was basically just cut and paste of the last two trailers that came out, and they threw it together with a voice, uh, a deeper voice over guy. So, but okay. we, can, we can look forward to seeing a ton more of those in the next couple weeks to come. So, uh, TV news: we have absolutely no new TV news to report. Obviously. It stems from the fact that the Batman's been canceled and that new series, The Brave and the Bold, The Brave and the Bold, hasn't come out yet. So we'll have more TV news as it becomes available. So book news. May 14th, we have Batman. Oh, real quick note. 
I have to say, if you haven't been no, or if if you don't collect comics and you want to start, this is actually probably the perfect time to start collecting, because now is the time where everything is either going to get re-released as a volume set or something. Because whenever a movie comes out that has to do with Batman, you can expect merchandise and merchandise and merchandise, and part of that all comes from the comics. So there's going to be a lot of new comics, comic series coming out, uh, mini series, one shots. And a lot of ones that are con gonna going to combine some of the previous popular series. For instance, May 14th, Batman the Joker's Last Laugh. The Joker, thinking he's dying, concocts a scheme to carry on his legacy by transforming his villains into Jokerized versions of themselves in this exciting volume, collecting the six-issue miniseries from 2001. 192 pages, color soft cover, $17.99 US dollars. And that's a perfect example of what we can expect to be coming. More Batman Joker stuff, probably some more Batman Two-Face stuff. So May 14th also we have Batman the Resurrection of Ra's al Ghul. Batman's immortal foe, foe Ra's al Ghul, should be dead at last. So how has he returned to haunt the Dark Knight? Find out in this 256-page hardcover volume collecting the intense tale originally presented in Batman Annual 26, Batman 670 through 671, Robin 168-169, Robin Annual Number 7, Nightwing 138-139, and Detective Comics 638, or, wow, 838-839. Roz is back, and but what does he, his return have to do with the Batman's teenage son, Damien, whose mother is Roz al Ghul's daughter, Talia? It will take the combined skills of Batman, Robin, and Nightwing to get the, to the bottom of these mysteries and stop Roz al Ghul's insidious plans. Like I said, two, 256 pages, color, hardcover, $29.99 U.S. dollars. You know, always, I'm always wondering, when it, are we going to you know, find out what happened to uh, Bruce Wayne's uh, uh, son or daughter? Um, because in, uh, I don't know if, if any of you can like that uh, book, the Batman, Son of the Demon. Him and mm -hmm. uh, Bruce Wayne and Talia had a baby, and at the end, you know, I always wondered, okay, where, where is where is this going, you know? And that's been, oh man, that that book was done like, oh man, so many years ago, and I've been waiting to find out whatever happened to that baby. Isn't that Damon? Yes, that, that turns out to be Damien. Damien? Oh yeah. yeah, I did not know that. Yeah, yeah, I got that. Uh, I got that book actually about a, two months ago and read it, and I just assumed that's who it was. Uh, but yeah, there he is. Yeah, it makes sense because it's son like of the, the one from '87, right? Yeah. Yes. The son of the demon. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, it was I just it, this was it was actually uh, I think it was like Batman 656 that they actually reintroduced him in. He like popped back in, and Tali was like, "Oh, by the way, we have a son," and he was like, "What?" Uh -oh, and then there was that. a there was a couple episodes where Damien. Wanted to like take over for Robin, and Robin and him were clashing, and then there was another episode or another issue where it was a, actually it was number six sixty six. It was a futuristic version, and it was it didn't say, but it was a possibility that Damien was playing Batman in the future. So, oh okay, you know it must have been one of those issues that you just never pick up, and you're always like, you know, I'll go back and pick it up later on. Mm -hmm. And uh, he's about to show up again, I believe, uh, with the current run with, uh, ah, what's his name? The guy that's writing Batman right now. Grant Morrison. Yeah, of course. Uh, but yeah, I believe he's about to start playing a bigger role again. 
Well, great. Now I got to run to my comic book store now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like we always say, support your local comic book store. All right, yes. uh, May 21st, Batman vs. Two-Face. Collecting Batman's greatest battles against Two-Face from Detective Comics number 66, 68, 80, 187, Batman number 81, 234, 527-528, 653, and Batman Black and White number 1, plus Two-Face origin story from Countdown number 29. 176 pages, color, soft cover, 1999 U.S. dollars. We're just going all over the board with that one. Yeah. Cool. All right. Uh, general news. Nothing new to report. As always, bringing more news, more general news when some becomes available. So something new to this podcast: merchandise news. So April thirtieth, DC directs statues and bus classic nineteen sixty six Batmobile statue. Based on the 1966 Batmobile from the TV show, easily one of the most famous cars ever designed, this finely sculpted, hand-painted, cold-cast porcelain light-up replica is the perfect gift for all Batman fans. This limited-edition statue is going to be a manufactured strictly to initial orders, so don't miss out. Order today, $249.99. It'll be available in December 2008. So obviously that just got announced. And I am already put my order in, and I actually have a funny story about uh, the first time I saw that um, from the DC Direct, that uh, 1966 uh, Batman statue. Um, I had went into the comic book store um, three days uh, after my father had passed away. And um, what was funny was that, um, of course, you know, one thing that we always shared was Batman. And so uh, we always watched the Batman 60s when, uh, whenever they re-aired in the 80s. Of course, you know, come home after school and uh, uh, my dad would get off of work and we would watch and, you know, sit down and see Adam West Batman. And what was funny was that, um, you know, of course, I was feeling down for, you know, what had just happened. And my wife's like, well, let's go. Let's see what they have for you. And what was funny, when I first walked in the door, I see the DC Direct statue of the 1966 Batmobile and I just started laughing because I felt it was a sign you know that when my dad was you know that when my dad was giving me that you know it's finally coming out and I was telling him you know that when are they ever going to release that in a statue form but um, I thought that was pretty interesting when I saw that so I had to order it of course <laughs> cool so well one thing I do want to notice uh, sometime within the last two weeks I came across some kind of list online. It was the top ten uh, vehicles of all time, and there was like the Mach Five and um, the Duke's uh, General Lee from Dukes of Hazard. But number one on that list was the Batmobile. So obviously, and that was coming from somebody who wasn't. It had nothing to do with the superhero website at all. So obviously, somebody uh, you know, Batman extends out past in uh, the cultural impact besides just through uh the movie or you know just through the movie so now did they talk about a specific batmobile like the 1966 batmobile or just batmobile in general they actually talked about the batmobile in general and actually it was the only vehicle that had more than one picture and they actually showed a picture from every movie except for batman forever and batman robin so cool yeah, it's got to be hot because, I mean, the, the Batman vehicle, I mean, look how many people are obsessed with vehicles. So, I mean, you have a you have Batmobile at the top of the list. I mean, you have so many styles, so many forms. I mean, it, it's awesome. I love the Batmobile. 
All right, so May 2nd, Batman the Dark Knight Stealth Launch Batmobile Vehicle. The must-have vehicle from the new blockbuster film The Dark Knight. This all-new version of the Tumblr vehicle features two bat vehicles in one. With the touch of a button, the Batmobile breaks open and shoots out the bat pod, wheelie action cycle. Includes 5-inch scale of Batman figure from one of the most anticipated films of the year, The Dark Knight, comes this line of action figures by Mattel. Collect them all, each sold separately, $38.99. That'll be available June 2008. Sounds really interesting. I'd like to see how that works. Now, the, the, the one thing that I'm wondering is, based on what they say here about the fact that the Batmobile breaks open and shoots out the Batpod, I'm wondering if the Tumblr will do that in the movie. Exactly. I thought I, thought I heard something a long time ago that that is what happens, that it comes outside, it comes from within the Tumblr. And I think I always assumed that those front two wheels um, are part of it. And that's that's a good possibility because also when Batman's sitting on it, he's almost like he's laying across, kind of like when uh, in Batman Begins when he goes into that uh, thing to shoot the missiles or whatever. It almost mm-hmm. looked like it was like that. But I, I didn't hear anything about it, and when I read this, I was very interested to know if that's actually how it's going to be, which should be kind of interesting because it gives a different version of the Tumblr, so... Yeah, definitely. You know, Dustin and uh, Chris, have y'all gone to the stores yet? Like uh, Walmart's mainly. Have y'all seen the new uh, the new toys that are out? Yes, I have. Yes. No. Did you notice that there's more tumblers out now? Because in Batman Begins, you had that that large scale one. Uh, it was really huge, and then you had like a mediocre kind of a radio control one. But it looks like this time around, they did like three versions of the radio controls or actually one might be wired but i saw those and i was like wow you know you know maybe not a lot of folks got the the in batman begins everybody got a um a tumbler maybe this time around i think you know warner brothers thinking let's do out different kind of versions for different ages well i think i think really what it was what it might have been was the fact that warner brothers really didn't know how the fans were going to accept it well if they were going to accept the tumbler or not because it wasn't the you know common Batmobile that we're all used to based on the last franchise, so they could have held back a little bit with the merchandise and said you know maybe they're not going to like it, but then maybe those few things that they did do with the Tumblr people really did like, so they decided hey you know what let's go all out this time. Yeah. yeah. So also on May second, um, there was that was the so-called official day where all the Dark Knight toys were supposed to be put out in the stores um, and there was a there's a bunch of bunch of different uh, Batman figures there's a Joker henchman and a Joker one not really liking the Joker one that much because it kind of looks more cartoonish than anything else what's your guys take on that um, you're talking about the regular action figure? Yeah, the one where he's got the suitcase full of all kinds of the Joker gadgets or whatever. Yeah, I noticed that too, and I was unimpressed. I'm like, ah, that doesn't look like the actor. Yeah. Well, you know what? You, um, there's actually two versions of the Joker. Now, that one that you're talking about, uh, that seems more like the lines that Warner Brothers, you know, whenever they do like Sub-Zero Batman or, uh, you know, Aircraft Batman, that's what that Joker looked like. But there is another set of figures, and believe me, it's hard to find. I've been looking for the Joker. But this Joker is more um, geared towards the movie. Um, It has uh, evidence, and um, you know what? Actually, you know what? Let me see right here. I have 
the actual uh, Batman, the Dark Knight. Um, it's with the it says with crime scene evidence. Yeah, and that and it, is the Joker that you'll be looking for. Yeah, that it, one looks like a Heath, a Heath Ledger, and um, it actually comes with the Joker card yeah. with it. So there's two two Jokers that you have to watch out for. That's the one that you were t- you guys were talking about, the one that looks like an animated series, and then there's the other one. And I, I, as far as I can tell, it's it's um it's one that describes with the crime scene evidence, and there's actually a chase figure in that. With the Batman with his mask off, and it just has Bruce Wayne's face on it. Yeah. But you can hardly find that Joker because that's the Joker that's uh, flying off the shelves. Because not only for Heath Ledger fans, but of course for Batman fans trying to look for it. Exactly. And the the Gotham City Thug one, the the Joker henchman. I guess it's entitled Gotham City Thug, and it actually comes with like the it has the evidence thing on it as well, and it has a mat, it has a like a Joker mask. It doesn't look like it's full size, but it's like a mini mask that has to do with you know, right. what they wear. So um, it was the same, same basic. Uh, I, I I'm actually looking at the pictures from, of what you got. What, the difference what you were talking about is just it seems kind of weird how you know they would have such a cartoonish one, um, but you know that's 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 what they do. More kid friendly, I guess. It doesn't have this scar in his face. See, that's what I was talking about. It, it looks like there were, uh, like the the who's ever in charge of marketing over there was trying to gear different forms for different eras of Batman fans, and um, that's that's what I kind of got when I saw the figures. I was like, okay, why are there, you know, two different ones? Why are these so many different kind of forms of the Batmobile? And that was uh, that's what I was thinking about when I saw that one, that animated one. I was like, oh, you know, it's pretty cool. I didn't I didn't really want it. I wanted the Heath Ledger version, but yeah. And the other thing that's crazy about the that one is that the cartoon version has him wearing like this green coat and neon green pants. I don't know, but whatever. I can see what they're 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 trying to do. It's trying to get an appeal to kids too, instead of just. Having it the way it is, but right. All right. Um, also, on May second, um, there's a company called Digital Blue, and they are basically teaming up with Warner Brothers to do consumer products. And basically, they're going to be doing a boombox, alarm clocks, and a small digital camera, like a digital camera that you can clip onto a backpack or such. Um, and those are supposed to debut sometime this month. We don't have. Uh, we don't have a date specifically, but sometime this month they're supposed to be coming out with those that first wave of electronic Batman gear. And I'm sure we'll see more as it gets closer to the movie, and then also as it gets closer to Christmas, I'm sure more of that stuff will be available. So, so back to May seventh. Uh, May seventh. Back to what you were saying about the the stuff. There was a or the the Joker being super hard to find. There was a a article posted online that basically said we speak of the dark knight the film which stars the late heath ledger as the criminally insane joker is on the tear in the buzz searches are up 42 percent this month and related lookups on the heath ledger joker joker pictures and heath ledger joker poster turning law-abiding citizens into search-hungry lunatics and also in this article they go on to say that if you are trying to find that heath ledger um action figure Good luck, because basically everywhere that anywhere in a major city, they're flying off the shelves like they're hot tamales, and 
um, the the stores aren't being able to put them out uh, any faster than they're flying off the shelves. And on top of that, people are picking them up and selling them, and people are buying them on eBay and stuff for like thirty bucks a piece when they're only I think like ten bucks. So people are really going nuts over this stuff, which is good. But in the same time, it always leaves a it always leaves people open for profiteering. So yeah. That's something. Yeah, I'm gonna have to contact my comic guy to try to find me the Joker because <laughs> I haven't been able to find it. All right, so let's get on to uh, listener Q and A. Um, we got a couple questions, not that many. Um, as always, email us Batman Universe Podcast at yahoo.com. You can always leave um, comments. On the webpage, BatmanUniversePodcast.Podomatic.com. Leave comments, leave pod mail, whatever you want. We get back, to, or I always try to get back to everybody. So, um, the first thing we have is from China, who's emailed us in the past. She basically says, hey there, good job on this past podcast. You mentioned at some point that you were going to be speaking with Gotham Public Works. I'm super excited about that. I started noticing Gotham Public Works about a year ago after finding them online during some sort of Batman-related search. I saw a couple of pictures of GPW's Joker and Harley and fell in love. I created a bunch of wallpapers for my computer at work, and for a while, all of my co-workers were asking if they were screenshots from an upcoming movie. The cast of GPW looks incredibly legit, and I think GPW's Joker looks far better than Ledger's version of Joker. That said, I just wanted to let you know that I'm pretty excited about hearing from the Gotham Public Works. If you get a chance, you'll have to tease them for me about not allowing anyone over 5'9 in their troops from China. I, no offense to Gotham Public Works, but I'm not going to go as far as to say that the Joker from their version looks better than Heath Ledger's. I think they're two completely separate um, takes on the Joker. I don't think either one's better than the other, but I think they're just, they're, Two completely take different takes. Yeah, I've seen uh, their Joker, and uh, I, I would I would agree with her in that it's very similar to the one you see, say uh, in the Batman comic book uh, Hush, the Hush series. Uh, different ones I've seen from comic book Joker, I think he looks a lot like him. Yeah, uh, especially compared to Ledger. But uh, as far as which one is just the the ultimate coolest looking Joker, uh, I'm gonna wait till I see the movie. Yeah, that's. That... <laughs> I'll, yeah, I'll take that way too. And we did, and I did tease them about the five nine. You'll hear about that a, a little later. Um, okay. Um, from okay, this one's from Brian, um, who does the Josh and Kraj show. Uh, he says, "Hey, Dustin, I'm actually listening to the new show right now. Thanks for the plug. The Batman Forsaken cast and crew are very excited to be part of the show." Um, he basically goes on to say, P.S. Glad you like the Josh and Crowd show. I'll be sure to plug you in our next cast and we can help each other out. Um, and his show, like I said in the past, he talks about anything from Iron Man to um, Batman to Indiana Jones. He talks about everything, and but he does talk about Batman. And he's really the only other one out there that talks about current Batman news besides us. But he covers a lot more other related things as well so okay this next one's from josh he says hey dustin what about doing a brief history of gotham for an upcoming podcast topic of discussion 
could you could talk about Gotham's founding before and after Batman and what other super superheroes operate on Batman's turf, etc. I'd be interested in hearing about that. Thanks for the great podcast, Josh. So that is actually what we're going to try to do for the next podcast. Um, the interview with GPW took up a little more time than I expected, but we are going to try to get that brief history of God, or well, not brief, but we'll try to actually do a decent history uh, so-called lesson of Gotham so everyone, because there's, when I searched it, there was actually a lot of information that I was surprised to find, so. Cool. Yeah, that sounds like a great idea. Yeah, we could put the great ghost in there. (laughs) (laughs) The great ghost. (laughs) Okay, this one's from Mike. He says, hey, I just listened to your podcast for the first time at work and just wanted to let you know it's awesome. Thank you for having it and keep up the good work. I do have one question. I've been a huge fan of Batman. I watched all the cartoons in the entire 60s collection and all the movies, and I'm a hardcore viral fiend for The Dark Knight and can't wait. I have read all the 40s dailies, but not many of the comic books or graphic novels. What would be the awesome ones to start out with? I really want a good one. Thanks, Mike. So I I wrote back and I said, definitely, if you want to start, I'd say start with The Killing Joke or man who La- The Man That Laughs. Um, what's your guys' take? Um, yeah, those are good takes. Um, uh, let's see. I guess the most interesting one I've ever read is still fairly recent, and that would be the Hush series. Um, although they kind of get a little bit into the uh, past with what happened to Jason Todd. Uh, but still, just the artwork and the story was really well put together, and it brings a lot of different characters into the story. Um, I don't know. Apple, what do you think? Um, you know, I would recommend the the Long Halloween. Uh, that was a, a great story. Um, another one to keep them up on the history of Batman is uh, Batman: The Greatest Stories Ever Told, and those have a bunch of great stories in them. And I cannot recommend that book if you can find it. I know it's in a trade paperback form, and um, that was a real good one to read. Um, any of the Frank Miller stuff, uh, the kind of recent stuff with Jim Lee. I mean, of course, Jim Lee's artwork is real good. But uh, probably the series before this, any anything really Frank Miller when he's touching Batman, um, uh, year one with the, the Todd McFarlane ones, I don't know if you ever guys remember that one. Uh, that was real good, too. Um, but, yeah, the, the long Halloween and the, the Batman greatest stories ever told. And, of course, you know, Batman, Son of the Demon, the one that we were discussing with, uh, with uh, Bruce Wayne's and uh, Talia's kid, that was another great book there, too. Yeah. yeah, that was an easy read. Now, with Frank Miller, um, I would say shy away from the all-star Batman and Robin if you're if you're getting into it because that will give you a totally warped view of who Batman really is. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, that, that story takes a it, – it's a little bit of a turn right there. That's all I was yeah, saying. It's, it's interesting, but you know, if that's your first impression, you're, you're going to wonder what's going on. Um, but, yeah, talking about Frank Miller, though, I would plug uh, his old one, uh, Dark Knight Returns, I believe. Yeah, right. And I always get them confused because he did that one and he did one called I think Dark Knight Strikes Back, and one is rated really well and one is rated pretty poor. But I think Dark Knight Return is the yeah Return is the is the first one back uh, in uh, uh, eighty seven eighty eight. That's the one that uh, Tim Burton based is uh, the eighty nine movie off of. Yeah, yeah. So that one, yeah, that's a good one too. Yeah, I would go with that one. Also, uh, Batman Year One, you can pretty much find that in a paperback or a trade paperback as well. It basically is uh, Batman number 408 through 411, and that's a great one, too. That might be the wrong numbers, and I'm sure I'll get hate mail 
for screwing it up, but whatever. Uh, and it, my recommendations have nothing to do with the fact that both of them hush and Dark Knight Returns features Batman uh, beating the snot out of Superman. Uh, you can disregard that, but it, is, uh, it does enhance the product. Yes, you know, does. guys, speaking of stories, you know, it was another good one was the one that um, the Kubert did, uh, Batman versus uh, Predator. That very, that very first series, I think it was, what, three issues, but I know it's a trade paperback. Uh, that was also a good read, too. Yeah, I never read that one. Um, and then, oh, the, the only other one I'm thinking of is uh, Kingdom Come. Uh, not really a Batman-centered story, but he's a main part of the story, and just as far as graphic novels go in general, I really enjoyed that one. Because really, because uh, Kingdom Come with Alex Ross, it uh, showed Batman uh, kind of like post-hero mode. Whenever he his identity had been revealed and he was allowed to be Bruce Wayne, but the interesting take on it was that he's not that he changed personalities. It's just that he got to take the mask of Batman, uh, the cowl off, and be really Batman in real life. He didn't have to. Well, let me see if I can say that right. He didn't have to pretend to be Bruce Wayne. He could be uh, Batman without the cowl. And it was an interesting take on him as a character, not being limited to try to hide his personality or his identity. Yeah, that was a good story. That was a good story. Yeah, I liked that story a lot. That was very, very good. All right, that's all the listener Q&As. Um, who wants to take over for Spotlight Villain? Um, Apple, if you want to, I'll go let ahead, you. Chris. Otherwise, I'll do it. Okay. <laughs> go ahead, Chris. Okay, I, I got to pre-read it before we started the show. Um, yeah, the spotlight villain for uh, this podcast is our very own Scarecrow. Uh, the Scarecrow, also known as Professor Jonathan Crane, is a DC Comics supervillain, an enemy of Batman. Created by Batman creators Bill Finger and Bob Kane, he first appeared in World's Finest Comics number 3 way, way back in fall of 1941. Uh, Dustin was 13 at the time, right? <laughs> his uh his scarecrow costume lanky appearance and surname were all inspired by ichabod crane of the horror fable the legend of sleepy hollow the scarecrow is a mentally unstable former psychologist who uses a variety of drugs and psychological tactics to use the fears and phobias of his adversaries he does not commit his crimes for wealth uh, but rather as a form of research to further study the effects of fear on humans, making the innocent citizens of Gotham his unwilling guinea pigs. The Scarecrow made only two appearances in the 1940s. Uh, Batman writers of the 1960s revived him, and he has since consistently appeared in Batman comic books. Following the 86 multi-title event Crisis on Infinite Earths, uh, uh, Crisis on Infinite Earths reboot, there we go, Crane's origin story was greatly expanded, and in the 1989 graphic novel Batman Scarecrow No. 1, part of the Batman Year One continuity. In the novel, he becomes obsessed with fear and revenge from being bullied throughout his childhood and adolescence for his lanky frame and bookish nature, especially his resemblance to Ichabod Crane from Washington Irving's, Irving's The Legend of Sleepy Hollow. He commits his first murder at the age of 18 by brandishing a gun in his high school parking lot during the senior palm. Dressed in the ghoulish scarecrow costume that would later become his trademark, Crane causes the head bully, Bo Griggs, and his girlfriend, Sherry Squires, who had rejected Crane, 
to have an automobile accident which paralyzes Griggs and kills Squires. From this, Crane discovers a savage delight in literally frightening people to death. He grows up to become a professor of psychology at Gotham University, specializing in the psychology of fear. The flower pot incident is left intact, but the real reason he is fired is due to injuring a student by accident. After his dismissal, he kills the regents who fired him and becomes a career criminal. Following this, he transferred to Arkham Islam and became a psychiatrist, where he performed more fear-induced experiments on his patients. He takes the moniker the Scarecrow, the favorite taunt of the hated bullies, as part of his revenge. The 2005 miniseries, Batman Scarecrow Year One, expands upon the earlier origin story. The novel explains that Jonathan Crane is born out of wedlock and also suffers terrible abuse from his uh, fanatically religious great-grandmother. His father takes off before he is even born, and his mother does not show any love or affection towards her son at all. He develops a taste for fear and an affinity for crows when his grandmother locks him in a uh, debilitated church full of birds. The story also shows Crane murdering his grandmother and learning that his mother gave birth to a baby girl. In the Nightfall storyline, Scarecrow is one of the prisoners that escaped from Markham after after Bane blows it up. He first attacks one of the Joker's henchmen, who tells Scarecrow that his boss is after the commissioner. Scarecrow goes to the Joker and decides to become partners in terrorizing the mayor. Soon they go to the sewers with the mayor, where Batman arrives. Scarecrow gasses him and fear talks him, uh, but instead Batman gets angry. Panicked, Scarecrow makes uh, the sewers flooded, and Batman escapes with the mayor, but Joker and Scarecrow escape as well. Later, at Scarecrow and Joker's hideout, the Joker savagely beats Scarecrow with a chair after he tries to poison him, and he is then sent to Arkham. In the Shadow of the Bat storyline, Scarecrow escapes and brings together a small group of boys to terrorize the city while he enjoys the chaos. Soon, Batman's successor, John Paul Valley, and uh, Anarchy arrive, and together they defeat the Scarecrow and save the boys. Crane undergoes a major change in the 2004 Batman story arc as the crow flies. While working with the penguin, he is mutated into a monster. He turns into this scare beast during times of great strain or when it is necessary to defend himself. During a Batman Confidential story arc, he is shown out of costume at Arkham Islam still working as a psychiatrist while planning the renovation of Arkham and he briefly comes face-to-face with a criminal who will one day become the Joker. Recently, the Scarecrow has decided to stop using his typical fear gas, as he feared that other uh, Arkham inmates were right, that he was nothing without them. Instead, relying on his training as a psychologist, he drives two inmates to suicide using only his words, also apparently terrifying the rest of Arkham's inmates. After manipulating the guards to freeing him, Crane embarks upon a string of vicious serial murders, terrifying Gotham without using his trademark gimmicks. Scarecrow has appeared in Batman Superman Hour, Super Friends, Batman the Animated Series, The New Adventures uh, of Batman. Am I saying that right, Uh, Dustin TNBA? The New Batman Adventures. The New Batman Adventures, yes. Uh, Batman Begins, and of course will also appear in Batman Gotham Knight uh, and The Dark Knight. All right, so basically, if you didn't know if you didn't know something about the scarecrow, now you should know because that was a pretty good outline, and even mentioned some of the stuff that he's going to be 
or even some of the story, important storylines and what part he had in those. So, yeah, I didn't know a lot of that stuff about him. Uh, he's not a very nice dude, apparently. He likes <laughs> he likes the killing. <laughs> and he started young. Yes, he did. He has no love for his family, apparently. Yeah. All right. So on the upcoming releases, like I said, ton of Batman stuff coming out now. So May fourteenth, we've got Batman six seventy six. Batman Confidential, number 17. Batman Strikes, number 45. Batman, The Joker's Last Laugh, which we mentioned earlier. The Batman, The Resurrection of Ra's al Ghul, which we mentioned earlier. Gotham Underground, number 8 of 9. Green Arrow, Black Canary, number 8. New miniseries, The Huntress, year 1, number 1 of 6. And Simon Dark, number 8. On May 21st, we have Batman and the Outsiders, number 7. Uh, Batman vs. Two-Face, which we mentioned earlier. Birds of Prey, number 118. Catwoman, number 79. Robin, number 174. And Superman, Batman, number 48. And if I could plug it, uh, this week, uh, this Wednesday, Batman number 676, that's the one I think uh, everybody should really pay attention to because I believe that is the one featuring um, the cover by Alex Ross, and it's the one that really kicks off uh, Grant Morrison's uh, mysterious Batman R.I.P. storyline. Yeah, and that, that'll be interesting to see how that all plays out. I'm really interested in that. Well, yeah, now I'm going to have to pick it up because <laughs> y'all just talked about it. So I always skip issues here and there and read certain storylines. So now I'm going to have to pick it up. Yeah, the, the, <laughs> the basic uh, plot that, D, well, not plot, but the basic uh, info for that one from DC says, are you ready for Batman R.I.P.? Beginning the epic story that will change the legend of the Dark Knight forever. Everything Grant Morrison's groundbreaking run on Batman has been leading to this story. And nothing will ever be the same again. Who will live? Who will die? Who will be Batman? The answers are sure to shock you in Batman R.I.P. Featuring artwork by Tony Daniel, Sandu, Floria, and covers by Alex Ross. So this is definitely something that everyone's got to pay attention to. Because, it's like it says, it's going to change the legend forever. So... It has a lot of people guessing what's going on. Uh, for the listeners that don't know, apparently somebody is out to get uh, Batman and has been after him for a while, and now the plot's coming to the surface. And uh, the interesting thing is that it seems for the first time ever, I suppose, uh, Batman has no idea who it is or what they're going to do, and it seems to be freaking him out and uh, causing a whole lot of mental stress. Um, in the uh, last Batman issue, uh, Nightwing and Robin discuss it, and at the end of the issue, Batman, I think, loses it a little bit, um, uh, trying to uh, just expressing verbally uh, to one of the uh, bad guys his his uh, frustration with trying to figure out who's after him and what are they going to do. And also, I believe released, I guess, last week, DC Universe Zero, uh, that's at comic book stores for fifty cents. Um, features a lot of little short mini-stories that's going on in the main comic books. And one of the featured ones is Batman speaking with the Joker uh, in the Joker's cell. And uh, the Joker's kind of letting him know that, uh, letting Batman know that the Joker knows what's going on and what's about to happen. And it's an interesting little tease uh, for the upcoming series. Right. You, you know, um, you know, you got to feel sorry for this guy because he's already had his back broke. He's been framed. He's had one of his wards killed and apparently come back. <laughs> Don't you just feel bad for him? <laughs> oh, he's a tough guy. But I really, I don't, and that's not to hear Ann Apple, your thoughts. 
you know, the whole interesting thing about this is that Batman, who always has 12 contingency plans for anything that comes up, this is the first time where he doesn't know what's happening. And, uh, and the, uh, the take is that he can't really handle the stress of it. And I, I don't know if I'm totally satisfied with that um, as far as, you know, does it really fit with the character or not. But I'm interested. Do you guys uh, have any serious thoughts on it or have you had the same thing? I'm basically I'm interested in the fact that I really want to know what's going on. I mean, I've been reading um, the whole the whole uh, Grant Morrison run in Batman leading up to this, and I'm really wanting to know what in the world is going to happen. And because it it's not even as if us as the readers know what's going to happen. It's kind of like we're right behind Batman, not knowing what's going to happen at all. And that's I I, I just I can't wait. Well, you know, y'all, y'all, man, y'all just done talked me into it. Now I gotta go back and get the other issues and find out what's going on. <laughs> so, so yeah, leading up to this, yeah, now now it sounds interesting. But you gotta take it with the uh, the guy who's doing it, which is Grant Morrison, uh, his writing, his writing style, and um, you know, of course, you know, I mean, this guy's, you know, he's accomplished a lot in comic books. So when he's going with this and he's already taking Batman in this direction, of course, now I gotta find out what's going on. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, he's. I don't know how long he's been doing the series, but he's been, I think, quietly building up to this and uh, and putting things in previous issues that are going to come out later. Uh, but uh, yeah, all of his plans are about to explode uh, onto the scene in the coming months. Yeah, and definitely, I don't think you'll be disappointed if you if you go get the last couple. And get the ones that are the next couple that'll be coming out as well. I don't think you're going to be disappointed at all. No, yeah, I, I got to tell my comic guy to add them on there because all I've been get, getting is the Frank Miller and Jim Lee ones. So yeah, I'm gonna have to add this one and then see see what happens with that. Yeah, and then we'll give you guys my full review on it. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. So uh, next up, uh, I'm gonna. Put in, or well, next up, you'll, you'll hear, the listener will hear, uh, the interview that I did with uh, GPW um, last Wednesday night. So today we have um, Gotham Public Works along with um, the director and writer of a new Batman fan, kill, fan film called Batman Forsaken. So I want to welcome everybody to the podcast. So we have Brian, who's our director and writer. We Hi. Have, so we have Reagan who plays Catwoman. Hi there. We have uh, Donnie who plays the Joker. Hello. We have uh, Cynthia who plays Huntress. Hello. Tara who's Harley Quinn. Hi. Talisanon, he plays the Mad Hatter. Oh yes. Topher who plays the Penguin. Hey. And Jill who actually is the brand new character in Gotham Public Works, and f- <laughs> which is uh, Batgirl, uh, the Cassandra Kane version. So, uh, Brian, I want you to basically give me a plot synopsis of uh, what this fan film is. Okay, well, um, with Batman Forsaken, what we're trying to do is uh, really kind of raise the bar for what has been done in, in other Batman fan films. We've seen a lot of different fan films that have been done, but some good, some bad. But uh, we really wanted to uh, take a stab at trying to tell a story where, you know, there's a there's a story arc, there's a beginning, middle, and end, and not just um, kind of leave you hanging, you know, after nine minutes. And so what we're trying to do is, um, rather than uh, doing a feature-length film, uh, we've gone back to uh, the idea that was introduced in the 1940s with the Batman serials and do, uh, we're looking at seven 
approximately 10-minute serials, each featuring one of our villains from Gotham Public Works. And then uh, there'd, so there'd be a standalone story in each serial, but there'd be an overall story arc throughout the whole thing. So if you watched them all together, there would be, you know, there's, there's one big story. So for those who stay on board, they'll get something special. But in terms of plot, without revealing too much, um, it's really, we're trying, I'm trying to get into the psyche of, of the characters and uh, really uh, kind of look at the at Batman in the, in the comic book universe. You know, we're not trying to recreate the films. We're not trying to recreate the anima, animated series where the strength of Gotham Public Works, I feel, is that they have recreated the comic book characters. You know, this is Batman in present day, you know, with the present characters, you know, Tim Drake, Robin, Dick Grayson, Nightwing, you know, so on and so forth, Cassandra Cain, Batgirl. So we're telling that story, and so we're investigating Batman as a character as to why does he surround himself with um, these people, and, you know, the idea is that he uh, is creating a surrogate family for himself. So really it's a story about Batman's quote-unquote family and, you know, what happens when that's taken away from him. And I, I like the idea of that. I like the fact that, well, as I said in my last podcast, I like the fact that you guys are going to break it up into those serials. Basically because a lot of fan films, like you said, are only about nine minutes long and I know a lot of work does go into them, and a lot of funding has, to, you know, personal funding has to go into that as well. So I think that I think that this is probably like a good way to do it to kind of reinvent the genre of so-called fan films. And <clears throat> this is a perfect way, not only for that, but also to incorporate all the different villains within Gotham Public Works without overpowering it so much. Where in some of the fan films, you just have it just seems like. You have a layout of every villain you could possibly imagine Batman's rogues gallery pop up within that small amount of time and it gets overpowered and the story of Batman gets overpowered by the fact that there's so many villains. Exactly, you know, and each, I felt like each one of these villains really deserved to have their moment, you know, in the sun, so to speak, or in the, the moon, I guess, in, <laughs> in the case of Batman, but I, I felt that it would be a disservice to try and fit all of them into one film you know it, it would just be too much it would be a too convoluted of a storyline would be too difficult to follow and so by breaking it up you know we can really get into what makes this character tick and and tell an interesting story and so that's really what we're trying to do so we're i guess when you say redefine the fan film genre you know my approach is that these are this is an independent film you know these are independent batman serials but you know if you make it any longer than like nine to ten minutes then you lose people's interest you know for the most part, people are watching this online at home or at work or whatever, and uh, you know they want to watch something quick. And if you go beyond that 10-minute mark, you can lose your your audience really quick. So as long as you keep it under that 10-minute time frame, I think you know uh, we can tell a, a pretty interesting story. Hopefully, hopefully you know there, there's quite a uh, there's a pretty good fan base already for Gotham Public Works and that are have been expecting this for a while, and uh, hopefully you know we can uh, do them right. You know, but at the same time, you know, uh, gain some new fans along the way, people that, you know, haven't necessarily found Gotham Public Works. But so we'll get to that, that stumble upon factor. Okay, so one of the, the the first questions I have for, I guess, Gotham Public Works is I actually had I got an email after the last podcast. I, I told everyone on the podcast or all the listeners that we were going to have you guys on. I had some questions that were emailed to me. So one of the first questions that was emailed to me was, so who exactly is 5'9", where everyone else has to be shorter? <laughs> <laughs> out, all right? I am so frustrated with you. 
because people seem to think that we think that the characters are all short and squat. That's not true. Harley Quinn, okay, I am one of the people who's founded the group. I'm five feet tall. I'm sorry. We just have to work with that. Our original Batman, five, nine and a half. I'm sorry. We just had to work with that. Joker, five, nine. Are you five, nine? Five, yeah. nine. So it's just what we've got. And the thing is, do you want to see like a seven foot tall, like freaking Riddler next to, you know, a like four foot 11 Robin? We just have to, this is part of our success, people, is making sure that we make sure everyone works with each other and looks good. We know the characters are like tall behemoths. We know that. But we have to work with who we are, and that's been successful so far. I'm sorry if you are beautiful and tall. We wish we could use you, but we are not beautiful and tall. Oh, we're, we're beautiful and short. We're beautiful. We're beautiful and short. It's all done so, in Hobbit scale. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And, but in pictures, though, we look like it works, right? In our defense, so, the ratio is good. We're proportionately tall to each other. Exactly. <laughs> So we would love to, you know, we just had to work with what we started with and, you know, a Catwoman, what, 5'4"? Yep. Yeah. So, you know, that's what we've got. It's like we look great together and it's like if we have somebody towering over us, it's just going to throw the whole thing off, even though they're like what the official DC thing says that that height is, but we just can't do it. So I am sorry. We love you, Tollies. We just, yeah, that's the story on that. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm sure that listener will be pleased to hear that, but um, I, I sure hope so. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, Terry, you actually mentioned that you were one of the founding members. Um, who who were the, well, who else is a founding member, I guess I should say? It was just me and um, the Batman who we recently kind of um, parted with, Chris. And, uh, okay, so then I guess my next question is, how did everybody else come to be involved? Um, well, we actually kind of formed the group around 1999, and I think the next person that I brought in was uh, the Joker, who is now my husband. <laughs> Take that, um, <laughs> internet. And uh, we just, we were really fortunate to continue to come across people who were absolutely their characters, who absolutely made us feel like we were in Gotham with Catwoman and with, you know, Riddler and whoever. And um, I think, yeah, at this stage, too, uh, Reagan Catwoman is our other most senior member at this point. You joined in, when was that? It's like 2001. Wow, I that's pretty, really early on. Maybe yeah. 2000. I was so happy to find a, a group of costume nerds as freaky as I was. <laughs> and I think a lot of times, we've privately, we've actually found people who would email me and were interested in a role like uh, say for instance our Two-Face he just wrote me and I just saw the pictures of him and I was like oh my god you're so it and we brought him in um, Cynthia our huntress she wrote me several years ago wanting to be Talia actually and I told her you know what you kind of that's great and maybe we could use that down the line I don't know but you kind of seem like a huntress to me and turned out she absolutely was um, so we've got a lot of people who just have written us who really responded to what we do and just we found they really kind of helped bring us into this whole world and we're absolutely these characters. Um, so it's just developed over the years. Some people have come in and, and left. It didn't work out, you know, and other people um, were just people that we knew already who we just kind of discovered we had this in common. And Jill, since you're the newest character, how did you get involved since it's been the most recent? Well, um... Actually, a friend. I've always seen them at Comic Con. I've been going to Comic Con ever since I was five. All of a sudden, my friend's like, "Hey, why didn't you try and be the Batgirl?" Because we were big Batgirl fans uh, at the time. And I was like, "Oh, they probably found one already." But I shot an email anyways, and then Tara and uh, the previous Batman were like, "Oh my God, we have to see you!" And then one thing led after another, and then 
eventually I get to this point, and I feel like I really relate to the character. Yeah, I, we've, I've known all of you for quite a while, but then Reagan, Reagan dragged me into it because she knew I would love this. And yeah. <laughs> she was right. So. Yeah, you're yeah, so I'm made to be our Mad Hatter. I love it. Um, the next question we have is, uh, do you guys take your characters and base them strictly off the comics, or the cartoons, or the film versions, or what exactly do you base them off of? Well, I'll kind of start with that, because um, I think, you know, whatever we first see them in, there's something with each of us that sort of strikes a chord with us personally, and which is why we are the characters we play, which is why you don't see us, you know, doing these several other Marvel characters and these other DC characters, whatever. Um, but we just kind of pull from what works. Like, I think a lot of us enjoy the comics a lot. A lot of us love the animated series. You know, that's where I really first came into Batman myself. So I think we just kind of take the elements from that that we think are the best, that, like, speak to us the most, and just use it. So it's not anything really specific. It's just we just draw from everything and pull together kind of what works, I think, like, does anyone else agree? Yeah, well, I'll, I'll throw in a little bit in terms of the film and, and how I'm directing them. Um, yeah, I you know I've been I've been a Batman fan since I was a very small kid, so I, I grew up with you know the '60s TV show and and the Super Friends, and uh, so I grew up with kind of the campy side of Batman. But then you know once you know '89 rolled around and you know the first Batman movie kind of introduced a whole new way of looking at the character. And uh, so now, what a, since I've seen Batman in, you know, like so many others have, in so many different ways, um, I'm encouraging each of them to really kind of find themselves, you know, within the character, but still maintain what's iconic about each character. So, like with Catwoman, you know, I really want Reagan to, to be the Catwoman that she knows and is familiar with, but also inject a little bit of her own personality into it, you know, yeah. so that we get something really unique from what we've seen before. You know, the truth is, people called me Catwoman before I ever knew there was a character based on it. <laughs> I thought it was a personal nickname that people gave me because I was so amazingly cat-like. <laughs> Imagine my surprise to find the media empire based upon this character. <laughs> I was very excited. <laughs> yes, I found my people. Meow. <laughs> so, how, how did, uh, does everybody else base it basically off the comics? or um, a, a, a mix of the ahead. comics and cartoons. I, I, I think we kind of avoid the movies... Yeah. It's easier to take the comic book, which is a static piece of art, and turn it into something that's living and original and three-dimensional in person, you know, whereas a film is already a completed expression, but the comic book gives you so much more leeway to step into the archetype and personalize it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah and like, exactly. like with, with Joker, you know, uh, I, I really didn't want him to tap into Jack Nicholson or Heath Ledger or even, you know, Mark Hamill for that matter, but really to find himself and really do his own take because if you're trying to sync up with something that's already done, you're kind of shooting yourself in the foot, really, because there's already a built-in expectation in the fan world of how that is supposed to look and feel and sound, whereas if you do an original take, you know, you're you're setting the tone for that world. Yeah, and you're, exa and you're definitely giving not only your take, but also your version, which... Is different well, than everybody else. They're pretty unorthodox. Yeah. Well, you know, I, 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 it's so hard because there's been a lot of really good jokers in the media. You know, you have Mark Hamill, who's amazing, and you, you have the Nicholson, and now you'll have the, the Heath. And the comics. And don't forget Cesar Romero. And the Cesar no. Romero. That wicked cool so. mustache. <laughs> <laughs> 
my my Joker, I really had to pull kind of from my raging cauldron of hate inside <laughs> to to build this this kind of demented version of everyone's characters, and it's. I mean, I think it's really like, fun. when I met him, I knew he was the Joker. I just saw it. It's just kind of in us. And, you know, whether that kind of reads from, like, a comic version of it or a film version of it, it's it's just what we've kind of grown up with. Like, you grew up with the comics, too. Right. I, I grew up with, with 80s, 90s Joker. And that's... I, 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 I always get a little bit of killing joke vibe out of that. That's my... That's what I try and identify most with is is the comic Joker specifically killing joke Joker. But I think you know I think I, I, I was pleasantly surprised you know with uh, with with Donnie. I mean he looks so great in the pictures and so I, you know I really was hoping that he'd tap into something you know new with the Joker. And when he showed up on set and was fully into it, um, he didn't break character even before, you know when we were not rolling camera. And I think I think the fans um, of GPW and Batman in general are really. Uh, gonna kind of dig what he's doing with the with uh, with the Joker. It's pretty mm-hmm. cool. May I interject? Um, as a hero, it's a little bit different. Um, what are the heroes think? Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's little, honestly, it's a little bit different coming um, to a character point of view because if you look at most of the comic books, um, a lot of the things that are said between heroes is very um, witty. Um, as far as like fighting someone, you're usually having kind of more of a witty attack um, verbally. So being a, a character as a hero and going into the movie, I had to pull in per, like personal stuff that I've dealt with over the years. Um, I mean, I don't know about you, Jill, but I think being a hero, we have a little bit of a different um, approach coming into the characters because you guys all, um, it seems like there's an archetype of um, villains that you're able to tap into and, you know, Joker... Obviously, you know, very funny. Harley is very whimsical. Like, you guys all have these particular things, but what is it that makes a Batman, or what is it that makes a Huntress, what is it that makes Batgirl different from all these other people? And we have to, for me personally, I had to pull something personal out of my own history. It's less of a gimmick with your character. Yeah, there's more yeah, of a realism right. that you have to see through our eyes versus what we're saying particularly. Okay, right, so but... I guess my next question is, how long does it actually take you guys start to finish to produce just one 10 minute short um well what we what we've done already is um we actually spent two full days it was 48 hours and that was just producing the trailer that was no that was filming not producing or excuse me excuse me i'm sorry i'm sorry i'm sorry i'm sorry i'm sorry sorry from the from the writer and director and yeah, this has actually been something that's been worked for a long time. You know, actual filming was was forty eight hours. It was every bit of that. You know, we I know you know Grayson spent months and months you know shooting on uh, weekends, but what, you know we just wanted to knock out a trailer so that we've got something to show people and hopefully hopefully get uh, spark some interest and get some funding. We just pretty much had to go full force into this. I mean, we complete focus for at least like a couple months, I think. Yeah. To just get these, what's going to be probably about three minutes. Yeah. Yeah, and Tara, Tara and I were working at it for literally months beforehand, yeah. lining up all the details. And you know, not her or I have never produced a film before. You know, I went to film school, but it was all for film composing. So it was a huge learning experience, and all really? of the details and gear and people that you have to pull together. I mean, I, I got an education, that's for sure. Quite the crash course. Yeah. <laughs> So you know we're we're going to be shooting uh, chapter one this fall. Um, it's uh, it's entitled the cat's meow. So uh, chapter one will feature the Catwoman. Okay. So when do you guys so think are the the trailers actually going to be ready for everyone to view? Oh, that's the thousand.
thousand dollar question. Well, um, we're eight thousand dollars. I'll tell you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm in I'm in post production right now uh, with our editor and uh, visual effects guys, and uh, we are planning on having it ready for Comic Con. All right. Show at Con, oh yeah, but we're gonna we're gonna be having a, bit, a party at Comic Con to unveil our video and to get a little FaceTime with all of our wonderful fans, and they'll all be able to contribute to our movie by paying to get in. Okay, so I guess the next question is, um, where do you guys film? Do you guys just, I mean, do you guys set up locations, or how does how does it work? I mean, obviously you guys don't have a back lot. Well, maybe you do. Uh, I don't know. Um, we do have a lot of resources available to us, but for the trailer, we were actually very fortunate to secure a studio location that we were able to kind of recreate everything. In. Yeah, we actually, um, we for the trailer, you know, we were able to uh, create about eight different environments for that for that trailer in one space. Okay, so here's here's uh, just one off the, the completely not related to the film at all, but. Uh, we had a listener who emailed a question who said, do you guys have any crazy fan stories? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh. You know what? The one year that I've been here, I actually have one. You do? Yeah. You go for it. Tell uh, the computer. Cynthia's got a story for it. Um, I mean, it's not, not entirely crazy, but um, being, you know, part of the group, I, like, first time went to Comic-Con, first time dressed, first time with GPW, so it was a first for everything. And um, in our second day of coming around, one guy actually comes up to me and um, tells me that I am the inspiration of his life and that um, I was the reason why he um, got out of rehab of doing, um, he was like in a wheelchair or something like that. And, but needless to say, he was actually really oh sweetheart, gosh. but to tell me that I was the inspiration of his life because um, without me, like the Huntress, he wouldn't have been there. So, I mean, it's kind of crazy to know that being... The Huntress, like, I've actually inspired, like, people. When they identify here. you as yeah. the character. Yeah, And that's what yeah. talking that's to. creepy. Yeah. <laughs> and they have this whole moment talking to that character. Yeah. With you. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. That was my creepy moment, yeah. We get some really funny submissions. You know, like, everybody, people want to be in GPW, and they all send us pictures, and... You know, we should we should have a Mystery Science Theater 3000 slideshow. That's a very nice Batmite costume you have there. Yeah. Batmite. Yeah. <laughs> uh... I, I get I get pictures of people's brothers with their shirts off, being like, "Hey, this is my hot, sexy brother, and I'm really in love with you, and I can't wait to meet you, and we're going to like go to Italy, and we're going." I, I get. I made uh, I made Kevin Smith's daughter cry. Does that? Yeah. <laughs> She was going to completely love the Joker when she's older, based on the fact that you know she's my namesake. So yeah, some that was... <laughs> some kids have this uh, visceral reaction when they see me in the makeup, and just bam, tears. Nothing <laughs> they can do. Oh, so and uh, unfortunately, one of those kids happened to be Kevin Smith's daughter, Harley Quinn. Harley Smith. Quinn Smith. It's your superpower. You make and, kids uh, cry. Yeah, it's one of my many talents. <laughs> Do you guys uh, collect comics? That was another question from a listener. Absolutely. Yay! Of course. No, we're not a bunch of distractors for like, hey, we should capitalize on the Batman thing. No, we're actually fans. We're actually huge dorks for this. Absolutely. And none of us is pulling a check on this, so we're all uh, we're all doing this for the uh, love of the game. Yeah. yeah, we're all putting money in to so make this work. Checks. Yeah. <laughs> minus check, yeah. We get minus yeah. checks. We are negative cash, being big geeks, loving what we do. Gosh <laughs> darn it, the payoff is so sweet. There you go. <laughs> Well, that actually leads to my next question. Um, what exactly, how did your guys' intro, like, the way I look at it, it takes a lot to do what you guys do. 
Um, mm -hmm. I mean, the time, the, the, the financing that you guys put into this, obviously you guys are really diehard Batman fans. So how, recognizing that. <laughs> how, how exactly did you guys get to, I guess the point where you were, you reached what you guys are now, where you're basically spending, you know, a lot of time, a lot of your own personal money you know, to really promote. It really is a process. Like, I think, you know, I just started first really liking Harley Quinn and then really identifying with Harley Quinn and then dressing like Harley Quinn in a way that I guess was really good and, you know, really looked like her and I really, you know, came off as it. And so when people respond to that, you want to do more and you want to give more. And then when that works, you know, you make a site and people really respond to that. I mean, it's extremely encouraging to have people respond to us the way they do and so that you do get back you know I mean, it feels so good when you're at comic-con and we're all together as a group and we've got kids coming up and they want to have their picture taken with us and we are bringing something to life for them that they could never get up close to and touch in any other situation but we are bringing their heroes and and their wicked villains yes. to life to, to them right where they can they can hold our hand if they want you well, know? and they find that people and too who you've uh, there's also the aspect of um, that we all get along really well. We're all friends, like close friends, and so we hang out like a lot, like not not outside the group. But when we get together, the meetings are are long because it's we don't get to see each other, so we get we, we get a lot of we get a lot of friendship out of it between ourselves, if nothing else, too. Yeah, and I mean we've also too had a. People who we've been huge fans of over the years respond to us, and that's amazingly gratifying. Oh my to, god! Yeah, to like be a huge fan of somebody and have them be like, "Oh my gosh, you're you really like live this character in a way that I totally see." It's it's amazing, you know, to be able to. I mean, it's great to just be a fan who can talk to somebody, but it's it's great to be a fan who can talk to somebody who you're a fan of. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Grant Morrison took a picture of me with his wife. Yeah, <laughs> that was like the cherry on top of my life. It's also really cool. Like, to not be, and again, I, I have friends that do Star Wars costuming, but it's really fulfilling for me not to be Stormtrooper number 258, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> or or another Jedi, you know, it, it's really nice to be a distinct set, you know, established character, and that's a lot and of that's fulfilling for me. And as for the process, it, it helps that we're all pretty highly motivated, creative human beings, and normal life too so we can just sort of apply some of that insane energy to, to our hobbies uh, yeah, exactly. motivation is key mm -hmm. okay yeah, so true. we all kind of do this stuff outside of it anyway and so it's just another outlet for kind of who we are and what we do yeah i mean i'm catwoman imagine what i'd have to if i didn't have this fan group yeah i'd be stealing jewels <laughs> or computer equipment <laughs> <laughs> all right the another question we had um was how much would you say each one of the costumes and I guess all, everything that, if you were to start normal day, going to work, and then you had to put all the stuff on, your, you know, the costume, the makeup, everything that you guys put on for your costume, how much would you say that each one of your costumes is really cost? Um, depends on the character. It really depends. Uh, for me, Harley, that's been like her costume and makeup and time or 500, but I mean, I'm continually improving that too, and then uh, who else? Yeah, my uh, Catwoman's costume is about maybe eight or 900, just because props get expensive. Oh, I forgot I got those custom shoes for 400, that too. That's yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, uh, mine's most like expensive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Bat, 
Batman's suits. I think the heroes are more like yeah. Chris's suits were very expensive. Like two grand. Those were all handmade by him. I mean, down to the molding, you know, the molds and the fiberglass and the latex. The time put in. Those are very expensive. Uh, and getting cast is a pain. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the heroes have to get body cast. That's another thing. So, and actually, any of our faces who have a mask or whatever, we we have a head cast. Uh, the Joker suits run, you know, four or five hundred a piece. I have a few of them, and the, but the makeup takes hours. a couple of hours. We've actually got it now that I have Jessica, our makeup artist. She's actually been helping a lot, and she cuts it down to a a two hour process. But yeah. that's if everything goes smoothly, and my skin is accepting the makeup, which it doesn't always, <laughs> especially on the second day. <laughs> So. But the suits are generally custom made, so it's not like you can go out to a store and buy the suits that we're wearing. Yeah, we get so many right. emails of like, made. yeah, we get all these emails like, hey, where did you buy that? I'm like, uh, not really around the corner anywhere. Sorry, it's yeah, they're all custom and take, you know, they're all custom to our body. Yeah, yeah, and my suit, um, I actually had the suit before, um, like officially joining with them, and it ran about between eight hundred and nine hundred, and I had somebody else um, custom made it. Mine's uh, over for Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So the end dollar sign is all is if we had to go out and just pay the money would be a lot more too. So I mean uh Chris uh, uh, uh he donated a lot of time. Uh Two Face donated some time, we had a photographer donate some time to help me with my nose cast. Um so we share resources too, and that keeps the cost low too. So that's another important factor: is that whatever we're shelling out, it would be a, it would be a lot more um, if we didn't have the shared resources of the group too. I, I, I just love the idea of doing a nose cast. I just think that's something. <laughs> <laughs> if you did, there's a lot. Of- the other another question we had from a listener was: um, Is your shorts going to have a, a Batmobile? Uh, we're we're working on that. Um, that's something we've talked about. There, there are a few things that really add a, a, a level of credibility to the films that we're striving to uh, to achieve. Um, the costumes, you know, are all, we've already accomplished, and uh, still improving. We're, yeah, we're always improving. We're always looking to, to make the costumes better than what they are. But um, uh, we are <clears throat> discussing having a legitimate Batcave and uh, the Batmobile as well. So I'm I'm definitely hoping for a Batmobile, but we is something that we're talking about. Okay. I've always wanted a '69 Corvette Stingray. We should be able to work this out. <laughs> what is your guys' take on the Dark Knight and how it's going to turn out? I, I think we're all you know, oh, excited. Yeah. We're going to go see that together, right? Me and Joker actually went to do the crazy big scavenger run around sweat fest that was seeing the latest trailer. And it was awesome, and the Batman stuff especially gave us absolute chills. Really looking forward to it. And, I mean, it, it's just, it's like if the last film, It Begins, didn't do well, the, the uh, we were screwed. The whole, the, what is it called? The whole, uh, the... Franchise. Franchise. The franchise. Thank you, franchise. The franchise would have been screwed for a very long time. And so they brought something back that just, I think, excited me, inspired me, and I think everybody else probably... The same way. Yeah, the, the way that they've achieved a, a sense of realism in the, with with the Batman mythology um, that hasn't hasn't been shown before, 
um, which is why we're specifically not going that route because Christopher Nolan and his crew are doing such a great job of it. Um, you know that it doesn't behoove us to try and do what they're doing. They're doing they're doing it great already. Well, the the I guess my last question is how can uh, the fans actually support you guys? That's that's what a lot of people have asked. Send us money. Buy our stuff. Donate. <laughs> Please buy t-shirts. We and just t-shirts. we just opened a shop at cafepress.com/shopgpw. Uh, oh, also, if you just donate money to our movie, we will send you... We are releasing production stills to people who make donations, and we'll also send you autographed 8x10s. Mm-hmm. And you can donate directly on the site. Yeah. GothamPublicWorks.com. Look for the donate button in the upper right-hand corner, and give us your money. <laughs> uh, additionally, um, go, on the, uh, go on the message boards, and, and uh, you know, we're all on there, you know... Uh, I opened up a thread this week. We're, you know, talking about what's going on specifically with the film storyline, um, and you know, we're open to, to fan suggestions. So if they've, you know, we we want to interact. We want to make ourselves accessible to the fans that are supporting us. So mm-hmm. if you can't donate money, donate your opinion. Um, we'd love to hear from everybody. Oh, how great that would be, you know, because in the major major motion pictures, you can't ever have a say. But we're in the process of creating this amazing piece of fan based art right now. And if anybody has anything to say, we are available to listen. Yeah, and it's absolutely everyone's feedback that has really encouraged us and, and energized us to kind of continue doing what we do. Yeah, we're really making this movie because we've had so many people over the years who are like, oh, we love you so much, please make a movie. And now, So we really feel like we're doing it for the fans, and it's just so gratifying. Well, I can say, you know, I'm not a costume character um, because I exceed the height limit. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I, I've seen these guys at Comic-Con, and I've been a fan of theirs for, for a number of years. And so that's why I initially started emailing Tara. It's just because, you know, I, as a as a creator and a storyteller, I've had a Batman story just kind of burning in me. And, um, and I knew that these guys could bring it to life in a way that uh, nobody else could. So that's, that's why I'm here. Well, I want to thank you guys for uh, being on the podcast, and uh, hopefully we can do something in the future. Thank you so much. We'll have to talk to you again around uh, Comic-Con when the uh, trailer's up. All right. Thanks a lot, everybody. And and we're back. So uh, that was the interview. I hope everyone enjoyed it. Um, basically, uh, next time on the Batman Universe podcast, uh, like we said earlier, for the feature, we are going to do History of Gotham City. So basically, anything at all has to do with the history, past, present, and future Gotham Cities, because there's been... They've all been depicted sometime or another, um, as well as all the people that have been on that have worked out of Gotham City. We'll mention them. We're not going to go into so, so much detail about them, but um, we'll, we'll talk about all the people who've worked in Batman or in uh, Gotham City. Um, we'll go into some other stuff all about Gotham City. So that's what the next episode will be, or the next feature will be. So um, as for uh, as for Spotlight Villain, not real sure who we'll do. Uh, email me. Who, l- let me know who you think we should do. Um, I know for a fact the two episodes prior to the movie coming out, we will do Two-Face and Joker. But until then, there's still a couple episodes before that that we're, we'll still take uh, suggestions. So, um... As always, you can email us, batmanuniversepodcast at yahoo.com. You can check out the website, batmanuniversepodcast.podomatic.com. And 
you can leave comments there or send pod mail or whatever you want to do. So <clears throat> as always, um, it's been great. I hope everyone enjoyed. Thank you, Chris. Yeah, thanks for having me again. And thank you, Apple. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. And uh, we'll hope that you guys can come back the next time and we can do this more often. Well, not more often, but we can do this uh, all together again because the more people, the way I look at it, the more people, the more discussion, the more people can listen to how we all feel. So, Yeah, sounds yeah. great. Yeah, yeah, sounds good. I totally agree with you. So this is Dustin. And this is Chris. And this is Apple. And thanks for listening to the Batman Universe Podcast. We'll catch you next time on episode 11. Thanks. See ya. Later, guys.